Data Mesh Radio is provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It is produced and hosted by me, Scott Hurlman. I started this podcast as a place for practitioners to get useful information about Data Mesh, and we're at over 200 episodes. I've now left Data Stacks, you know, thanks for all their help in founding things, but I've left to start Data Mesh Understanding, which is also helping practitioners to get to the information needed to do Data Mesh well. We have free implementer introduction and roundtable programs, in addition to the more advanced yet affordable offerings. So please do get in touch if you're looking for more information on how to do, how to approach Data Mesh. Just check datameshunderstanding.com for more info. There's also a helpful organization of past Data Mesh radio episodes there if you want to dig into specific topics rather than digging through 200 different episodes. So with that, let's hit the funky intro music and listen to what you'll hear about in this interview episode. In this episode, I interview Angelo Martelli, group leader of data services at logistics company Van der Lande. It's another great episode of someone sharing their lessons learned and a useful framework for getting started and keeping going with Data Mesh. I think Angelo's driving buy-in framework is probably the most complete and broadly applicable I've heard to date. He recommends, start with proving there is a problem that you are actually trying to solve. If everything is functioning well, why wouldn't you focus your efforts on another area? Your proof should be as fact-based as possible, e.g. how long does it take to make a change to your data warehouse? Focus on proving that your incremental investments are driving sublinear returns. He provides a number of potential typical problem areas as well to check out. Once you have some proof, you need to work towards understanding the problem you are trying to solve. It's not deploying a data mesh. Is it scaling the organization to be agile relative to data, to be able to make more and better data-informed decisions? Really figure out the problems you proved exist and what business challenges those problems are creating. You're trying to solve those problems, not technical or architectural problems. Those are part of the issue, but they're not the business problems. Next, you need to understand your organization. Who are the right people that can help you? How does your organization work relative to culture and process? Which domains are struggling and how? Tie the implementation goals to the actual business challenges. Then you need to demystify data mesh. Make it easy to understand for people not well-versed in data. What are we actually trying to accomplish and why? Don't talk to the pillars, to non-data folks. Think about useful analogies. Colleen Tarto and I had a good conversation around food analogies. I provided one in the intro to Mesh Musings around stretching and and training for athletics. There's lots of good analogies that are emerging here. Just stay away from water analogies. (laughs) Last, make it concrete, prove it out. Make a few data products, make a simple data platform for folks to use. You just need to provide that proof to be able to go to people and say, this is possible, this isn't a pipe dream. And all that was just the first half of the interview. 
So really recommend listening to it in, in whole. Angelo and I then talked about his recommendation that once you have momentum, sharing a very clear vision is crucial. Not just sharing it in a document, but actually having conversations to really make sure the context and vision is understood. Data Mesh is about collaboration. You must work together. So it is imperative to make expectations very clear. Similar to Abi Siu Asylum from Flexport, Angelo also stressed the importance of the domain data model and abstracting that away from the application model or models. The business model is what matters for data. There was a lot we covered in addition to all that, but rather than spend more of your time convincing you that you need to listen, let's just go ahead and get to it. Okay, enough of just me. Let's hear from our awesome guest in this interview episode. really excited about this episode here today. I've got uh, Angelo Martelli, who's the group leader of data services at Vanderlande. And uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of different kind of things, but really the Vanderlande getting started story about what worked, maybe some things that, that were a little more challenging, uh, you know, what some advice in there as well. Um, but, you know, it's going to be kind of a, a free ranging conversation as, as most of the episodes are, but I'm really excited to go through a story of how to kind of get going, especially in a, a company that's got a lot of different domains and, and across a lot of different countries and things like that. So uh, if that, Angelo, if you could go ahead and give a little bit of an introduction to yourself and kind of um, what you're doing now and how you uh, kind of got into the, the data mesh type space and, and <laughs> then we can jump from there. Yes, super. Thanks a lot, Scott, for your, for your introduction. Well, uh, yeah, uh, as Scott said, my name is Angelo Martelli. Uh, I, am, I am Italian, uh, based in the Netherlands since about a bit more than four years now. And uh, yeah, I've been working on data solutions and with data teams my my whole career. Uh, I, I've been quite I've been quite lucky to to see it from from different point of views, uh, from uh, as a as an engineer, as a developer, but also as a as an architect, uh, as a product owner, as a as a team manager, and uh, and also uh, different industries from a consulting point of view, from a non-consulting point of view. So I'm 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 quite happy, and and I think. That, that gave me quite a 360 perspective on how data are actually uh, uh, handled in different companies and what kind of challenges uh, they face. Um, my, my background is uh, my studies have been uh, at least uh, the, the bachelor was uh, in uh, informatics, informatics and, uh, and economics, while uh, master in uh, statistical sciences. So I have been yeah, having quite always some good affinity with data and I really always enjoyed the topic actually. Um, yeah, I've been busy basically the last year and a half in Wonderland 
figuring out how to bring data mesh into the organization uh, in, in order to solve certain challenges that we can we'll discuss later. And and more recently, actually, I'm focused on defining and, and implementing uh, our data platform. Um, I think the interesting thing is that since since the interview uh, that I had before joining Bundeland, actually, we, we, we already talked a, a little bit about data mesh uh, with, with the, the IRI manager, which is my current manager, actually. And, uh, and that was, uh, if I remember well, I think it was uh, May or April um, uh, uh, from 2020, uh, probably even earlier. Um, and that was where, where data mesh was really just, you know, uh, uh, mentioned for the first time, I think, you know, just maybe two, three months before by Zamak. Uh, and an interesting thing is that yeah, I read that uh, about that a little bit and I, I found really refreshing that there was an organization already looking at this stuff. And uh, so you know, for me, it was a quite interesting challenge, uh, uh, to quite, quite exciting, actually, to 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 have the chance to to be in that position and to start figuring out this paradigm shift that um, yeah was quite new uh, in the data in the say, in the data uh, landscape. Um, I, I mentioned that I'm working with Vanderlande. Maybe for who does not know Vanderlande, uh, I think maybe just to word about that. Um, uh, basically, Vanderlande is it's quite a large company and uh, is, a, is a global leader in, in logistic process automation and, and material handling solution. And we are involved uh, with uh, with business like uh, airports, warehousing, and parcels. Uh, we, we serve customers worldwide with uh, with the, you know future proof and high tech solutions and, and also all sort of life cycle services. Um, uh, and, you know it's. It's a pretty interesting business, a, a quite complex, uh, really technical. Uh, and the interesting thing is that we know that data can really play an important role um, in that. So, uh, yeah, then yeah, here I am, uh, one year and after, uh, what, what, why one year and a half after, uh, we we did some good progresses, I'd say, on the data mesh, uh, data mesh uh, from data mesh side, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm quite excited to talk about it today. Yeah, yeah, that's great, and it's 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 funny because of how much I didn't really think of the logistics space as being so data intense, but like you know, you Flexport Convoy of the first you know. 20 interviews that I've done, it's, uh, there are three companies in, in specifically in that broader space. So, um, and I'm sure there are a lot, a lot of, uh, data warehouse jokes relative to doing things around warehouses, but nothing's coming to top of mind, but, um, so that, that's a really great introduction. Um, and I would say that, uh, it's one of those things where Jamak has talked about her initial article of, um, Martin Fowler showed her the, um, you know, typical read rate of every other article other than hers, where, you know, it starts off like kind of high and then it, it slopes down and hers, it's just like, it just keeps going, going and going and going and going <laughs> up and to the right. So, yeah. Um, the interesting thing yeah. is, uh, I, I, I keep reading it. I keep going down and reading it because I think every time, uh, you you work on it, you figure out some stuff, and you keep reading again, 
and then things become more and more clear. So I, I actually recommend to read it multiple times, at, you know, regularly. Go there, refresh, yeah, uh, freshen up your it's, mind. It's it's held up incredibly well for something that was a kind of a, a stalking horse, right? It wasn't like, hey, I figured this out. It was, hey, I think we need to do this differently. I think this is a good approach. Let's iterate on this. And it still is held up incredibly well for, for that. So, um, but yeah, so uh, really excited to talk about kind of starting from, you had a little bit of initial buy-in. It sounds like when um, you weren't the person that had to come up and say, hey, everybody, let's do data mesh. There was some buy-in, but um, how did you navigate the, the, the driving that initial buy-in? And where, where did you start first? There are some people that are trying to start with the technology. There are some people that are trying to start with, let's reorganize, but then you know, wait a couple of months after we reorganize to start doing the, the data mesh stuff. Did you kind of carve out uh, a smaller group to do a POC? What, what, what did you do? And then maybe even some recommendations as to what you think went well or what you might change going back. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. Uh, well, uh, let's give a little bit of context. Eh? When uh, when I joined on the London, we you know, we had pretty much, I think, a classic setup, which I think most organizations have, which uh, basically have classic data warehouse, uh, uh, some kind of data lakes that, uh, you know, uh, uh, maybe more than one data lake or something like this. Uh, sometimes <laughs> some problem organizing these kind of things. But, you know, I, I think nothing that, nothing new. Uh, I think many facing the challenges that many organizations were actually uh, facing and uh, 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 still facing, I think. Um, uh, 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 you know, as, as soon as I joined, uh, I, I could already see uh, we could identify many of the problems that were described as a Mac uh, uh, related to uh, having a monolithic, uh, a centralized approach to data. Was was pretty clear that you know what were the problems. Um, the, the, the good thing, uh, uh, because I, I joined one year and a half ago, but. Luckily, there were before even I joined. Uh, there were a small group of people in the company which were already uh, looking at, uh, at how to move away from this uh, central centralized setup. Um, uh, and that I think more or less uh, when this group of people was looking at at, at this, uh, the, the article of Zama came out. Um, uh, uh, basically, this didn't give just a name eh, to this idea. Okay, we need to move from this monolithic centralized concept. It didn't give just a name, but it also helped a lot because gave gave certain directions eh, that, uh, or at least gave the confirmations that we were looking into the right direction. Um, uh, but it also made understand that the path to get there was actually really challenging. Uh, and, you know, uh, it was clear that it's not just a technology change. It's uh, actually technology, it's it's probably a secondary aspect of data mesh. So, um, so we, we basically at the point uh, is where I joined. And um, yeah, I, I was very excited to join because, you know, uh, this concept resonated really well with me. I, I knew that something had to change. And I was look, also looking for my answers at that point. Um, <laughs> uh, so basically, you know, we were there. We knew what was the problem uh, that we wanted to solve. 
we, we identified the concept that you know that could potentially apply well to to our organization. And, and I, I, later, I want to reiterate a little bit on this concept, on the, on this part. And yeah, then we had to figure out okay, what what do we do now? Huh? What's where do we start? Um, the, the first thing uh, that we, we at least I started looking at is uh, was also uh, how 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 do we prove how do we prove that we have a problem? Um, because you know you can bring up your opinion and maybe people will listen, but uh, you you also need to prove it in some more concrete way. I think uh, that that's usually is for me is, is the best thing to do. Um, and although uh, one of the things actually going back uh, uh, that I would do uh, even more is to try to spend more time to prove the problems that we have in an even more, let's say, fact-based way. Uh, that, this is one of the learning that I, I, I actually uh, had. Uh, I think it, it, you know, it, it went pretty good for us, but if I could go back and spend a bit more time on that, I, I would definitely do it. Uh, because uh, you know, eventually, I thought uh, there are a lot of different metrics that uh, we can uh, measure to try to understand what kind of problem the organization face or the certain teams face. Huh? Um, for example, uh, so, some things that I then started to look at a little bit more, and not all of them, but uh, at least some of them, was. Uh, for example, uh, the fact uh, that when you have this centralized monolithic uh, application, they become more and more complex over time, uh, and it become really hard to manage. So, how do you prove that? Well, uh, I think uh, if you start calculating, you know, the, the return on your investment spent into a data warehouse, for example, you will see that if if you uh, invest over time the same amount of money. Uh, the, the value that you get out of it, the, the features, the, the capabilities that you get produced by the teams will reduce over time. That, that's for me for, for multiple reasons. Um, you know, changes become harder, hard to make. The development just become development just becomes slower, uh, and you know, uh, there is more ops to do, ops work to do, and, and all these kind of things at the end sum up. Um, it, you know, also the increase on number of people in the team, uh, what they experienced in the past. And, you know, even if you throw more people to the problem, eh, let's say like this, the user satisfaction of uh, if your data doesn't doesn't increase. Uh, so you you can feel that you have a problem there because you keep investing, but you don't get what you want to get in the end. Uh, yeah, exactly. There's an economic term called uh, LODAR or Law of Diminishing Return, L-O-D-R, mm -hmm. of, you know, so your incremental, it's your value is scaling at, uh, I think it's supra instead of super linearly, right? So the more you spend, you get less for each each bit. Exactly. Um, could I circle back on where you were talking about needing to prove you had a problem, why do you want more proof that you had a problem? Was it for driving buy-in from others? Is, is that something where you can say, look, we've got this problem and it's that, or is it for measure, measuring ROI? So you can say, look at how, or measuring how far you've come so that you've got that kind of the, the proof of we're, we're making a difference but also that satisfaction and motivation. What 
what what was driving that that need for or that desire for for more proof? I think there are two reasons, and one of these reasons actually it's uh, it's mainly to 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 get uh, the the discussion less based on opinion but more based on facts. Uh, the, the problem is when you, when you uh, have opinions, uh, most people people can say their own opinion, and then you can discuss for days. And still, don't find a solution. Uh, but when it's facts based, well, you, there's not much discussion about it. You have facts. So I think also uh, you know to get the buy-in from executives uh, that helps incredibly for me. But also to show to, to other people uh, around you what the problems are and the fact that something needs to change. Uh, that's extremely uh, valuable, but actually the big, the biggest reason is another one for me uh, because um, you want to compare uh, if you are doing the right things over time. Uh, once you start uh, implementing data mesh um, into your organization, and you know it, it's it's not something that is done in one year, two years. Or three. I, I think it's a continuous change in organization. To be honest with you, and uh, you, you want to. Keep in some way. Uh, you, you want to know if you're, if if something is actually changed, and if you're not doing the same mistakes that you were doing before, because uh, it, it can be hard uh, to 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 say, okay, I have implemented data mesh for me. It's you will find our my experience is that you will um, go through some transitions period. Uh, you don't change a large organization in a week or a month or from. Day one to day two, it, it it's a lot of small steps that you need to do in between, and you want to know if you're doing going the right direction. And that's why I think if you can have these metrics at your hand and you keep measuring it, um, it it gives you some some guidance of where you are going, basically. Uh, so that this is actually the main reason why I actually wanted to do more. I, I should, if I could go back, I would have done more. Yeah, that, that's that's really interesting. It's it's simultaneously proving to others somewhat that there's progress, but also just kind of self motivation of, hey, where where were we? Where did we? Where where are we now? Like that. There's that that kind of uh, retrospective. I, I like that a lot. Um, so, uh, if you were recommending to somebody that was trying to do this as as a team, would you say that that finding that proof of challenges and maybe what what are you talking about for the proof of the challenges is it number of data incidents or you know measurement of quality or is it net promoter score of the data warehouse in general or what 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 would you try and go out there and measure and and because th- this can be used as well for um driving that by yep yeah, you know, I think it's, it really depends on organization on organization. There are some organizations that like to use some metrics more than others. But um, in my opinion, there are some specific things that uh, that we need to look at, uh, which is basically um, the, the proving the fact that um, uh, the, the approach that we have with a classic data warehousing approach, classic centralized approach, does not scale. Um, so the, the type of metrics that I, I, I was trying to get and uh, that I'm still trying to, to, to find ways to, to, to get is to, uh, to prove that teams uh, need to be able to uh, perform better 
uh, under certain conditions. And the, that the centralized approach, or monolithic approach, doesn't create the right conditions for that. Um, but also the fact that, uh, in fact, like I said before, investment don't give the right returns, uh, then it means that, again, this is not scalable because you will keep throwing money or to, to draw on the problem, but, uh, yeah, you will, eventually you will need to start a new data warehouse in three years because uh, your current data warehouse it becomes unmanageable. So uh, these are types of situation that I've seen a lot in the past. Uh, uh, so uh, if make it, making it practical, uh, I, I think uh, uh, there, there are some particular things that you can look at. For example, uh, how many people do you need to involve in a change? Uh, in certain companies, I, to, to make a change into a data warehouse, uh, you really had to involve extreme large amount of people from different roles, business, uh, at the, uh, uh, and, and anywhere in the middle. Um, that's, that's not sustainable. Uh, the change will be extremely slow. And, uh, and once you have, you have done with your change, uh, probably the world is already changed and you really need to start working on the next one. So, uh, you know, if, if it, this number is too big, uh, you know you have a problem there uh, because it's really hard to coordinate so many people. Uh, but also, uh, you know, things like what, how much time do you spend on regression testing? Uh, again, you need to make a change and you need to figure out, figure out what my change is, is going to impact. Um, well, again, teams can spend really a lot of time on this stuff. But also other normal things like what's your work in progress, what's the time to fix an issue, or, or uh, you know, the, 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 the quality uh, of your deployments, how many times the deployments fail. So also more like standard metrics uh, like this can be really useful. Um, but one that I found also really interesting uh, was the time spent by engineers on actual development. Um, uh, in, in certain situations, uh, you, you could see that uh, the, the engineer, which should... Uh, spend time on you know, developing the feature, uh, or basically could spend like up to 70% of the time uh, doing other stuff, like figure out what are the business logics, uh, what these fields mean, uh, how do I map this to this other thing? Uh, because yeah, there were no domain knowledge in the centralized team, which uh, had to do the job, basically. Um, so uh, yeah, th these are all red flags. Uh, basically, so yeah, th these are type of metrics, or just ideas, but there can be uh, 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 many other things that you can measure. Yeah, no, I think I think that's really helpful because I think this is again that thing of there are people that are excited about this and want to get other people on board. Um, so you, you're talking about this from a centralized team. Is there anything that you could go to um, the domains with? Is there anything that you found? I mean, maybe we can tie that back into kind of, you, it seems like you had this this core group. Was this core group on more the data engineering side or was it across with uh, different groups or, or things? And like, how do you, how did you start to really get things moving forward? Did, did you get the buy-in or did you build tech or like what, what, what were your first steps on this? Uh, well, we, we took different steps at the same time. So um, what I mean is, well, uh, first of all, uh, you know, especially you, you need to understand the problem that you're trying to solve. That's what we covered already. So once you understand the problem that you're trying to solve, uh, then you need to understand your organization. 
And I think that's really important because, uh, you know, you can start with anything, but any organization works in a different way for me. And some organizations uh, are just happy with, you know, maybe a PowerPoint uh, that explains the concept and then you, you, know, you, you can get started by that. I, I don't know. But other organizations need a little bit also, you know, concrete proof that your idea actually works. Uh, and I think Vaderland, you know, it's, 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 it's one of the, that type of organization. And we, we, are, we have a lot of engineers, uh, uh, really smart people, really concrete. Uh, you, 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 you just don't get away with the PowerPoint. Eh? So, um, um, uh, so we, we talk from different point of view, which meant, uh, first of all, uh, try to make sure that we could uh, um, uh, bring executive on board. Eh? Try to explain, okay, what we were trying to do, what we were trying to achieve, and, uh, and make sure that that was understood. Um, uh, luckily for us, uh, that was uh, um, that was done in a let's say it's pretty much good timing, I, I would say, for a large organization. And the reason why, because you know the company is already um, uh, familiar with concept concept like platforms and modularity. Uh, so explain what data mesh brought was quite easy. Um, so there was not a real challenge from, from executive on this concept itself. So, uh, but that's one of the things that you need to gain because uh, if you don't get executive buy-in, you're never going to scale the concept to the organization. Um, uh, we had to also work a lot with, with specialists. Uh, I, again, uh, we, the people that know the data and use the data uh, needs to see also the benefits because um, you you... Yeah, they are, they are the users. They are the, the, the people who needs to build or needs to consume your data. Uh, so we to also get uh, support from some specialists, from subject matter experts around the company uh, to work on, on some concepts uh, that in the end we wanted to make concrete enough and, and even, even valuable enough to the organization, even if it's like a small concept. So... Um, so while we basically started looking at you know getting executive uh, uh, to support our ideas, we also started looking at uh, how do we build data products, what building a data platform means for us, um, uh, and we try to look for help. Uh, we we know that uh, you know uh, as a single person, definitely you're not going to make this. Uh, you need as much help as you can. Uh, around the company, so uh, you know you 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 need to uh, uh, you need to make sure that people get curious about it. Uh, so you need to start spreading a little bit your your concept around the company, and and then you will get, of course, some people that like it, some people that don't like it. Uh, but that's fine. I think that's that's pretty normal. Uh, uh, but at least you can get help from the people that like it, and you can start working with them to actually building something, uh, even though it's a pilot or something small, that is meaningful and that can prove the idea that your concept works. Um, luckily enough, we had also uh, uh, some initiatives already running into the company, which was about how do we find define better the domains. Uh, so we also um, linked ourselves to uh, existing initiatives that were in, running into the company. Um, and also start looking at how do we manage uh, interoperability of the data? Because actually it was the first step that we did. 
because we didn't want to create uh, data products uh, that uh, yeah were not interoperable. Otherwise, uh, well, th that's no data mesh. So uh, it's yeah we, we actually acted from different point of view at the same time. It was quite uh, yeah uh, intensive, but. Um, uh, yeah, it, it gave speed, it gave momentum to the initiative, basically. And, and so with driving that exact buy-in, um, what did you find was the most helpful or what did you find was the most fruitful way to, to, to drive that? Because I know a lot of people are, I mean, I, I want to get into um, driving buy-in at domain level because uh, that's that's another one where people run into a lot of blockers. But what did you find was the most useful? Was it that proof or was it that there were you had enough people that were in the room with them to not overwhelm them, but to really say, okay, we've we've done the homework here. What what if somebody is trying to figure out how to get their execs to care, how how would you recommend that? Uh, yeah, our, uh, let's say, what we, um, what we uh, tried to explain to our executive was that, uh, first of all, we, we knew the problem. We understood the problem. We knew what we are talking about. We, we knew what uh, different domains into the company were, uh, were, uh, were struggling with. Um, and we know the cause. We know the, we knew the root cause. Huh? We, we we could we could prove that. We could tell them because we also experienced it in first person. Um, so that was, uh, I think that that's one of the most important things because you you know you don't just bring a new concept into a company if you don't have a problem to solve. If you're already doing great, well, keep doing what you're doing. That's that's perfect. Yeah. Uh, if you bring a new concept, you need to have a problem. Uh, that you want to solve. Uh, the second thing is we 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 made sure that we uh, was clear that we understood the organization. And l luckily enough, uh, in in our team there were people with twenty years of experience, twenty five years experience in the organization. As there are still these people there, um, and that helped a lot because we could uh, we could know the we knew the business challenges uh, that that uh, that would that were, let's say, uh, high priority for the company to solve. Uh, because again, we are a group, a small IT group, but Data Mesh, it's a business initiative. It, it, it doesn't need to be an IT-driven uh, initiative. It needs to be really business-driven. So we had to start for the business, from the business problem uh, that we also had to solve. So there was a data problem, way of working, whatever you want to call it. There was some business problem that we knew we had uh, a good way or so uh, to yeah, a good methodology to so, uh, to, to use to, to solve the problem and uh, that, what we also try to do is we try to demystify a little bit the concept and and also make it a little bit uh, easy uh, to, to explain for people that uh, are not architects or are not te technical uh, or uh, or never had to deal with this kind of uh, um, for example, definitions or, or concept uh, before. So we, we, we try to make it, make it as easy as possible to, to, to understand. Um, uh, and, and also, in the end, we also worked on these pilots, on this small concept, and, and we make something concrete that people could see and could actually use. Uh, so, uh, yeah, 
there are different type of executives also in a company. Yeah? There are uh, executive more uh, technology oriented, executive less technology oriented, and I think you need to be able to explain uh, to to everybody this concept and to answer the, the question. So, uh, so this let's say these four um, these four different uh, aspects I think help us a lot, make it clear, uh, concrete, and uh, and also actionable. Mm-hmm. And, and could you, uh, again, just circle back on if, if people were to just put a pin on those four, just what would those titles be when you're talking about that? So the titles would, would be uh, understanding of the problem, uh, which is business problem that you want to solve, uh, you know, data problem that you have in the organization, if we can call it like this. The second thing is uh, knowledge of your uh, organization. Uh, you, you need to know the, the right uh, people that can help you. You need to know uh, how the organization works uh, because you don't want to introduce something that you know uh, doesn't doesn't make sense for other organization. So knowledge of organization. Um, uh, you have uh, the uh, the demystify data mesh, uh, make it easy to understand, and uh, make it concrete. Basically, prove it. Create a couple of data products. Create a simple platform with uh, some simple things just to make sure that uh, uh, the value and the benefits are clear from the approach. That's that's really clear and easy to understand why it works, but also like, okay, yes, that that framework, it just makes it pretty uh, easy to understand why um, it it worked for you. So so you, you started kind of picking up more uh, momentum inside the org. What kind of what happened next, or what did you learn next, or what what were the the roadblocks? All, all of that. I think everybody wants all the information at all times. So. <laughs> However, you want to go down that next. Uh. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think it's uh, it's uh, yeah it's it's a long journey. So we could uh, we can we can definitely go to the next step, uh, which for us was basically you know we we get support, we started building something. Okay, now. Yeah, what will be the next step to well to do well? That's uh, that's where you really need uh, uh, you, you really need a lot of people to make this change. Huh? Uh, you again, as I said before, you're not gonna do it as a single team. For me, you're not gonna do it as a single individual. Uh, this initiative needs to be business driven. Uh, so the, the fact that you have some support from executive uh, can can definitely uh, help. Uh, getting other people involved on it. Huh? Uh, if, you, if you get that type of attention, it means that you, you are on the good on good path. So uh, that's the moment where uh, you know the moment that more people start coming on board. Uh, you need to have your vision really clear. Uh, for me, I think that's uh, that's extremely important because uh, more people we bring in, uh, more people get on board, and, uh, and, and more it's easy to go in a different direction that you wanted to. Uh, so you need to make clear really what's your vision, uh, what you want to achieve in the end, uh, which can be in months, years, I don't know. Uh, but make sure that to, to have that end in mind and keep it in mind, basically. Uh, and then you can start also looking, okay, now what's the strategy? Uh, uh, who do we involve first? Maybe 
uh, you know, uh, we, we were lucky because uh, our domains were, were being defined more and more. Uh, uh, so we could already start looking, okay, what kind of domains we want to tackle first? Uh, or, or do we want to take an approach where we take tackle a domain per time? Or, or what is the approach? Uh? Eventually, we decided to focus on, you know, some to start with some domains, uh, dom- specific domains, although, uh, yeah, we, we will keep looking for opportunities around the company to... To, to, to scale this concept. Huh? Um, uh, and that's where uh, I think as an organization, uh, we, we, we decided to uh, move forward with a program. Uh, why a program? Uh, because well, implementing data mesh is, is it's not a project. You, 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 I don't know, in, in the past I've seen you know, data warehouses, uh, implemented as a project, but data mesh is it's not a project. Uh, there, is, uh, there is much more than technology, as we said. There is organization change, there is mindset shift. Uh, there is a lot of change management to do. Um, uh, so yeah, we, we, we started organizing a project. Huh? Basically, let's take a group of people, different background, different parts of the company, come together to decide how do we move forward with this? Huh? What, what does it need to change in the organization? Um, and also try to find a way to collaborate together on the topic. Uh, because you know, what we wanted to avoid is to uh, have a kind of a customer supplier style of collaboration. Uh, but we wanted to really have pure collaboration. Eh? So let's work together toward the same goal rather than uh, I ask you to do this, please do this. You know, that's, that was not really the type of collaboration that we want. So um it's it's funny because what what i'm hearing throughout this because you talked about it a little bit earlier is that that vision and that sharing is that same collaboration right it's it's making sure that on a one-to-one person basis you haven't talked at all about technology yet you haven't even talked about architecture you've talked about all like, you know, th- those challenges are difficult to solve, but they are much more solvable if people aren't in a very specific, you know, in their own silos, in their own worlds. If you're not having those things of somebody running down their own path and then you go, is this what you wanted, you know, two months later versus, hey, let's make sure we're on the same path. You even talked about um this, I, I think of this as almost documentation of not just at the data product level, um, but like that there is a, um, that you, you have documentation for all aspects and that it's, it, people don't have to wonder. You've laid it out that intentionality ahead of time. You've thought about who is consuming what information. And so I, I love that. I just, I wanted to, to, to highlight that because it's just, it's, I think I'm finding this in a lot of these interviews that I'm finding of the ones who, who are able to implement this. It's, it's an empathy for everyone and that you're, you're sharing that you're, it's, we're in this together. How do we get everybody on board? And that I'm not, it's, not even carrot or stick. It's, it's, Hey, we can all win together. And I don't have to incent you to do this in certain ways as much as 
if we do this all together, that is the incentive. If we do this, it, it'll mean that our jobs are easier and we just get to like working together a lot more. So, yeah. <laughs> sorry, I just, I, I love what you're talking about. Uh, no, but absolutely. I think that that's, that's basically for me the, the, the idea of the concept of data mesh itself uh, is to move away from uh, this group of people working on a team that receive all the requests and then they figure, need to figure out how to solve those problems. It's just is to find a way to, to you know, if, if you want to scale something, if you want to create a decentralized uh, uh, platform uh, or, 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 or decentralized organization, you need to work together. There is no other way around that. You, you need to find a good way to collaborate. You need to, um, uh, you know, you, you need to create those kind of framework into the organization to make sure that uh, it's clear what you can expect from each other huh? and how each other, how can you, can you help? Um, and again, it's, I, I, you're right. I haven't talked about technology yet. I, I could have because, you know, in the meantime, we did a lot of stuff about technology, but uh, whatever we did uh, was, you know, it, it keeps evolving. I mean, what we did one year ago, it's 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 kind of some it's somewhere still there, but it's totally different. Uh, so, you know, I thinking that this is about technology would be wrong because you're never done with it. So, uh, also our architecture uh, uh, changed over time, and we keep evolving it because you you understand better what what your consumers of data need. And you keep thinking, okay, what kind of services uh, can I create to help my data engineers? What kind of uh, different data products we might need? To, you know, keep thinking of use cases. That by, by involving more and more, uh, making more business-driven, you have a clear understanding of what's the more important use case of the company uh, uh, that you need to solve. And uh, so you don't want to just implement data products because you can because you have the technology to do it. That, that would be just wrong. You, you need to do the right things, uh, and, and that's what we were trying to figure out. How do we? How do we know? How do we make sure that we do the right things? Um, and, and still, we are still in that journey. Yeah. So don't get me wrong. It's not that we totally figured it out, but that was uh, that was the, the, the most important thing. Is let's let's not just jump on it just because it's a train that is passing, but let's, let's make sure that it's going in the place that we want to go. You know? um, How are you finding those requirements about what the consumers need, right? Because it sounds like you've got good ways for that communication path back and forth. And I think this is as somebody who's coming into data from not the data space of being like, what What do you mean you don't talk to your consumers? What do you mean there? there's no uh, thought about um, keep pushing things upstream to the, the source? Like data has always been built on a shaky foundation because the application model keeps changing and we keep trying to map directly to the application model. So what, why do we not change the way that we get data from the application side into data and that we also push the ability of, to the application people to actually care because they can't care about their consumers if they don't know what their change is going to break. So are they spending 100% of their time doing those regression tests and things like that? No, they're like, no, I've got to move quick. And so they just break everything out underneath. Them. So like, how, how did you develop that 
um, communication path? I think, you know, we, as I said before, one of the first things that we, we, we try to figure out is also how to create a certain type of interoperability uh, mm-hmm. into, into the data product. Huh? Uh, so basically, uh, this is, we had to start from the business. So uh, one of the first things that actually we started doing was to um, uh, develop this kind of, you can call it domain models, huh? We try to understand for, for each domain what is what is this domain? What kind of I don't know uh, what kind of entities this domain is own owner of? Huh? Um, uh, what, what what kind of data this domain requires? What kind of insights this domain requires? So we we had to give it a shot. Huh? Just also try to figure out ourselves how this would work. And uh, what we knew is that we wanted to create this kind of abstraction. Uh, from the application model that is uh, behind, uh, that is in our uh, in our let's say source systems, if we can call it like that. Um, so that basically uh, led us in this in in this direction, where the f- the first step that we do is basically uh, trying to uh, uh, translate whatever application model we have into a business model, basically, and that guarantees interoperability by itself. Uh, so that was, uh, uh, let's say, the, the, one of the first thing that we did uh, to make sure that we, we, you know, we, didn't, uh, we didn't end up having something tightly coupled together, basically. So we wanted to create that abstraction layer, that the, something that the business recognizes, and then they can start taking it over. Right? Because the moment that the different domain, business domains recognize their model, they know the data, uh, and then they know how to bring them forward. So that's, that's at least what we hope it will happen more and more, but that's what we are trying to uh, set up and experiment, uh, especially in this phase. Uh, uh, and again, I cannot stress enough how setting up this interoperability right and make sure that you abstract from your source system is important because source system, the, this application model keep changing. Um, and we, yeah, we, we had experience in the past of, yeah, uh, uh, also in other companies had experience of business processes getting stuck because it was too complex uh, to, to manage the change uh, in, the, in, the, in our reporting, for example. Huh? Uh, so uh, it's, it's incredible, incredibly important for me to create that abstraction layer to make sure that you keep that model, the business model flexible and the abstract away from that application model that you have behind. So that's that's actually something that first step that we did, even before technology, even before uh, everything, to just prove uh, that we uh, also understand the business. That's why I'm, when I'm saying also the understanding of the business, the experience in the company, it's extremely important. You need to prove that in some ways and you need to do that before other in the company knows what you're talking about. Yeah, no, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And it's echoed. Um, it's funny how much these um, conversations end up echoing each other because you know the uh, interviewing people internally. That was something that Molly and I, uh, Molly Vorwerk and I, had talked about. This domain uh, model and the complete abstraction is something that. Um, Abi from Flexport and Paolo Plotter uh, from Agile Lab uh, talked about. So it's just, I'm just seeing these same patterns emerge over and over. And that's kind of 
the point of the podcast is to just elevate these and say, hey, what are the patterns? What are the um, things? So, uh, I mean, there's 50 uh, additional topics we could go down. Um, I, I don't want to, uh, as I said, I don't want to keep you here for, for two and a half hours. I, I literally, I would love that conversation. But um, so from kind of couple of different topics we could go down, whichever one's most interesting to you. You know, you have been building out the, the data platform side and, and been focused on that. So would love to, to kind of talk about how that has evolved, maybe even some of the stuff you're using, if you're able to disclose it, but also um, how you think about the evolution you talked about at the very beginning of changes, your, your, that domain model evolves, right? The business logic evolves, uh, evolves. Chad Sanderson at Convoy had talked about this in, in one of the episodes of this stuff. You have to be capable of changing things. It, nothing can be locked into place. So like happy to talk about either of those, or if you've got another topic you want to go down, but like what, Either one would be great. Oh, I, I, I know. Yes, I, I love the topic because uh, for me, at the end, everything comes together. I, even in the in the platform architecture, uh, uh, you know, the the ability to change uh, and the ability to uh, adapt it's also critical. Um, uh, you know, like like I think you, you also said I think in other podcasts that you, the right data in the right setup uh, and. Um, you know, your data can evolve over time. Uh, you need to be able to uh, to manage uh, your your data product lifecycle uh, in a proper way in order to make sure that uh, the evolution of of your data uh, don't mean that uh, yeah your data pro- your data product needs to be totally thrown away or that uh, you know uh, the uh, the other data products that are uh, used by Maybe other domains or by somebody else um, um, are, are heavily affected by that. Eh? So, uh, what I'm saying is, what how we are approaching it eh, from a data platform perspective is to uh, think it in that way. Think that the data platform is a decentralized place. Think that you know the architecture is distributed, and making sure that change is actually not only uh, manageable but uh, uh, really easily accessible for 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 for, for the engineers uh, building data products, for example. So that's this is the kind of thing that we are putting uh, into the platform. So I, I I see those topics really well connected. I'm, I'm happy to get a bit more in detail in what I mean with this eh, in terms of technical architecture. Um, yeah, because the, to me those two things actually compete, right? Because one of the challenges that I think with data people have as consumers is they go, "Okay, I don't want my what I'm consuming to change," but we have to continue to evolve it. Is that adding new uh, logic at the data product level where we're adding you know new tables and kind of new features type concept, but we're still keeping the old? Is that about the, um, you know, if, if consumers are consuming things that no longer make any sense, right? If, if you were looking at pre-pandemic versus post or versus like when things were, were um, just starting in-store visits 
might have cratered, but like Home Depot did really, really good business because they were allowing the in-car pickup and they had the, the curbside stuff. And so their in-store was no longer really nearly as relevant versus um, versus what what they were actually moving from a product standpoint. Uh, and so how do you keep it so that you can evolve, but that you also have that downstream um, people that are reliant on it not evolving and or are they not are they reliant on it not evolving and that's at the semantic level or is that at the actual data level so they don't really care if the semantics have changed because they're just using these these five columns that don't have anything to do with the semantics so like how have you set up that that conversation in that framework because that's that's such a difficult challenge uh, it is uh, and uh, to be really honest with you we, we are still working on it uh, so we, yes. we haven't we, we haven't totally solved all this problem but we have we have an idea and you know we uh, the, the most important thing to solve this problem for me uh, uh, is to create the right foundations so mm-hmm. what I mean with that is uh, what, what we are really trying to do uh, in our platform is to make really every data product truly independent and decoupled from others. Um, if you don't have this, uh, well, you can forget everything else for me. Uh, that, that's, that's basically. So uh, and, and you need to be able to manage these changes quickly. Uh, so that's another foundational uh, aspect. Uh, if it takes weeks to do a change, well, uh, again, y- you will end up in a strange situation where you, when you finish the change, then you have another one coming immediately after. So um, basically, uh, this meant for us investing in certain type of uh, architecture, which means uh, using make heavily usage of infrastructure as a code, for example, making it really uh, modular, scalable, um, making sure that we find some sort of standardizations in data product. Uh, I think uh, what I believe is uh, that uh, not all the data products need to be different from each other. Uh, there are special things, uh, special type of data that you need to handle in a special way. But you know, I don't know if it's an 80-20 rule, but in my opinion, 80% of the data products can be managed in a standard way. Uh, so once you define that pattern, once you define that architectural pattern, you can reapply it over and over again. Uh, and And what we are trying to do is to, you know, keep this pattern uh, as uh, deployed as an independent component within the platform. So basically, each data product can have its own life cycle. Uh, well, for example, we are working in Azure. Let's make it practical. Uh, each data product is a resource group for us um, so that we can evolve it as we like. We can keep it standard. And the moment that is, we figure out, OK, well, this standard approach didn't work anymore. Well, we can deviate for that from the standard just for that specific data product, but we don't have to change the pattern itself. So um, uh, these are like key components that I think are uh, foundational for, for, for doing, uh, for managing the changes. And in the end, uh, the, these, these, these changes, this flexibility that you want to give, it's what we translated in a certain versioning. Uh, and uh, the concept of versioning in data product, I think it's it's really hard for me to implement. <laughs> yeah. 
we are trying to figure out that. Eh? We, we, we are trying to also uh, put things in place to, 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 to enable that. Like, uh, oh, maybe you should have, you know, how do we fully decouple data products? Well, uh, maybe we put an API layer on top of it or something like that. Eh? So you can, you can keep that, uh, you know, uh, a good abstraction layer. Eh? So the idea for me is to um, figuring out and add piece by piece all the elements, all the functionalities, all the capabilities that in the end um, uh, make sure that consumers of data products uh, basically uh, uh, have the ability to decide which kind of version, for example, to use and have the ability to decide at which time they want to upgrade maybe their uh, downstream data products. Um, in the end, you cannot keep multiple versions of the same thing running forever for me. Eh? So it, it's it's like for any other piece of software, uh, at some point you need to deprecate something and you keep only the relevant thing. But then it's a matter of the business to say what is really relevant. Uh, uh, and I'm not sure, even sure if at some point might be even make sense to uh, if the dev two versions are so different, maybe make even sense to create a spin-off of a data product. Uh, that's also even something that can be possible. I don't know yet, but yeah, um, that's something that ThoughtWorks. I think it was Emily Gorsensky had talked about of uh, in one of the early webinars that they had done about um, they have one client where they have the exact same data product twice, and one is. Um, much lower latency. So it's like within, uh, you know, we have a guarantee of within a minute or two of this thing happening, it is in the data product, but our SLA around quality is much lower versus we have another one where it's an hour and you have that. And so what, what I really want to see evolve is some versioning, versioning tooling capability around testing what the consumer actually is is using and so can they uh, be auto incremented to the next version where they don't have to care they don't have to go and say can i just jump to the next version and that you can you don't have to necessarily care about if you're adding a new feature but that you also can see who is consuming it and so that you can do that data product marketing and go hey we added a new feature would you like to, to look at this and you know like that those automatic things so that we just reduce toil work because that that stuff if we can develop it at the technology level is so helpful because then, then you can focus on those person-to-person conversations so uh, that's, I, I, I totally agree I, I think I think that would be super cool if something like that would be available and to be in our case uh, you know the, the project we are taking is uh, you know maybe we don't have a fully automated solution at the beginning but let's try to at least figure out the process let's try to see at least what consumers really are trying to do and try to understand the problem that we need to automate uh, because you don't want to automate the wrong stuff. So actually, you know, we, we put some uh, you know, uh, way of doing discoverability of data product. Uh, we, we created something for that where we, uh, you know, we mentioned the versioning, we mentioned, we mentioned what is changed between versions uh, and we give the, it's a kind of a, you know, it's a kind of a, it's a, kind of a contract uh, where you say, okay, this is what you're going to get if you're going to use this data product. Or this version of this data product, um, you know, it's maybe not the most evolved things, but it, it works pretty well. Uh, it's not, you know, doesn't give a, an automated testing of 
you know, uh, is your data program going to work if I change from one version A to version B? You don't get this kind of functionality. But uh, if we see that, you know, our consumers uh, need that or producers of data product needs that, well, uh, that we can find maybe a way to automate it. But it's, um, the, the most important thing, at least for us, from our point of view, is to make sure that at least that change is manageable in a reasonable uh, way and in a reasonable amount of time. And I don't think we should, when implementing data mesh, you should just try to look for the perfect solution from the beginning. Uh, I think that's something that comes comes with time for me. Yeah, I, I think that um, if you create the right org communication chain and things like that, then and I guess cultural understanding that things are going to change and that people are okay with that, then it's just a, a better situation for, for all involved. And, and I think, you know, a lot of what you've talked about is again, either with the data warehouse, you just had to do all this testing, all this testing, is this going to break things versus, Hey, we're going to communicate ahead of time that this change is coming and okay, we're doing this versioning and then you've got to move to this next version. Cause, and here's why you want to move to it. And, and that there's, that understanding that people know that there's they're building things off of a more solid foundation, but things aren't nearly as rigid, right? And so it's it's building blocks. It's like that you you can build with Lego, but that it's not nearly as rigid. Of this is every single thing has to be exactly the same because that just doesn't reflect the business, right? If your business isn't changing, you're you're not doing good things, yep. right? Exactly. <laughs> so. Well, th this has been phenomenal. Uh, we're, we're coming up on an hour here, so um, I, I do want to wrap with that. But um, is there anything um, I'm, I'm kind of stealing from Tobias Macy at the Data Engineering Podcast? Like, is there any content or tools or technology or, or whatever that you find missing about Data Mesh where you would want more things out there around a specific topic or aspect or problem? That's a really good question, actually. Um, uh, one of the things that maybe we, we have been, you know, trying to find the, the best way to deal with is, is managing governance of data product and giving the right visibility of the data product itself. Because the, if you take the data product as an entity, um, it can be different things. Uh, you know, before you had, okay, single-added babies at table or babies, right now can be different, can be, you know, a set of different tables, can be, you know, a graph, can be uh, files, can be, it, becoming, it becomes really hard to um, uh, identify, okay, this is a data product and this is what it contains and uh, this is the quality uh, that of data that you can find in this level. So from a governance point of view, I think we still miss something for me uh, that uh, that deals with this concept of data products in a good way. Um, I think we can deal with the underlying technology, but not with the concept of data product. And we, we have been trying doing some POC with tools uh, and stuff to, to really group to create this concept of data product, and uh, that is the entry point from for, for, for consumers, uh, which then can say, okay, what is in this is this data product? That's the next step. But we want the, the data product to be the entry point. That 
maybe we, I need to look better, but I didn't find anything yet that satisfied this type of thing. And that brings together the concept of ownership, the concept of uh, technology, the concept of model, the concept of quality uh, in a single place. Uh, I would love yeah, to have this, something like that. This metadata sharing, something uh, Pete Brown did a really interesting meetup for, for the data mesh learning thing. It's very, very kind of... Um, esoteric because it's it's for it's on a, a cisco router box <laughs> like it's it's very network heavy because he comes from that but i think the concepts are the same of our data products need to be able to broadcast out here's all of my metadata and that we have systems that can capture that metadata and that every system is broadcasting out and is also grabbing that stuff that's broadcast out so that way, you can, it doesn't matter what system you're in, that the metadata is the same and that you can say, it was this originated in this system or not? So that way people aren't going, oh, okay, um, this metadata, you know, system A got, uh, or system B got metadata from system A and then system C gets metadata from system A and system B. Is it going to get the same metadata from system B that system A already published? And, but yeah, I think that broadcast mechanism is is really crucial to be able to, uh, so many tools, especially, this is the big problem, I think, with a lot of tools, is that people want control and they don't want to share the custom information that they've got. So you've got your observability tool or you've got your, your catalog or whatever, and they're not making it so that you can share that easily and that you want to embed that stuff in the code of the actual data product but that it can be found and that the user experience doesn't have to be to get these five attributes, you go to this system, but to get these three other attributes, you go to this system. That's a terrible user experience. And does every data product have its own user experience? That's a terrible user experience for the overall mesh. So like, yeah. Exactly. Especially if you want to make this data, this metadata available in the whole organization. To be honest, in data mesh, I believe, that metadata is as important as data. If you don't have the right metadata, the concept of data mesh itself cannot be you know, cannot be easily supported, cannot be easily implemented. So, uh, yeah, I, I I talked to uh, Shoshanka Das, who's um, uh, head of the LinkedIn Data Hub project and um, CEO of Acral Data, and I, I told him I I just. I don't think I get me metadata because it just means all of the data that isn't the actual values, right? So it's just way too huge of a topic. And it goes, nope, that, that's pretty much it. And it's like, but wait, but it's it's not, and it's not just, is the, this is the data in and of itself. It's the data relative to other data. So then you start to bring in knowledge graphs and it, you're just like all the interconnections and it just, my brain just explodes around that. So, um, well, this, this has been so phenomenal. Um, you know, if people want to find you, uh, I'll, I'll, we talked about, I'll drop your uh, link to your LinkedIn in the show notes. Is there anything else that you wanted to kind of cover that we didn't or anything that you wanted to say in, in parting to folk? Maybe, you know, just one last recommendation that I would give, something that I found really useful um, is actually to, uh, uh, to make sure to, to use the data mesh community eh, that you've also been uh, creating, Scott, to, to use it and to try to uh, learn as much as possible from it. And 
especially in the moment that you uh, think that is not going in the right direction, that you're demotivated or that you're blocked. Uh, I found a lot of inspiration uh, in, 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 in making sure that I can move forward in the right way. So I, I would really recommend to leverage this community uh, as much as you can. I, I love that advice for many reasons, but I, I, that's kind of why I created it, was that I saw people having very specific pains and feeling like they were the only ones having those. And let me tell you, part of the reason for the podcast, again, is sharing those pains and, and how people are tackling them, even if they, they haven't figured it out, like speaking to those pain and, and knowing that other people are going through the same thing is, is important. So uh, again, this this was so uh, great. I think there's a lot of, of great things here. And again, it just, I keep seeing the same patterns emerge over and over. So it's it's nice to hear that uh, people that are, are making good progress are, are doing it in the same way. So Again, uh, thanks so much, uh, Angelo, and thanks everybody for listening. I again want to thank my guest, Angelo Martelli, Group Leader of Data Services at the logistics company Vanderlande. As always, I've dropped his preferred contact info in the show notes. And as Angelo said, please do look to leverage the data mesh learning community. There are far too many of you toiling away in the dark. Let's talk more openly about specific challenges and find way to drive towards better solutions together. I can almost with 100% certainty guarantee others are running into the same challenges. So let's talk about them and find out how to do this more easily so we can shave years and lots of toil off of your implementation. Hopefully that interview episode was really useful for you. Please do consider getting in touch with guests from the show, from these episodes. Most have said they'd really love people to reach out to them. And please, as well, if you've got a minute, rate and review the podcast somewhere. It really is honestly super helpful for other people looking into kind of data podcasts to kind of get this in front of them. Data Mesh Radio is again provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It's produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. In April of 2023, I left Data Stacks, who were wonderful in getting the Data Mesh community stuff started. So give them a shout for streaming and real-time AI needs. But I left to start my own industry analyst kind of information as a service firm. Our offerings are affordable and you can do them on a one-off or a month-to-month basis. You know, read kind of, throw it on the credit card. Don't worry about like going through purchasing and things like that. The services include lots of practitioner roundtables, you know, one-on-one data mesh kind of planning or feedback sessions and tailored introductions to other data mesh practitioners that are focused around your topics of interest, you know, what what are you actually running into challenges with? We also have some free programs around introductions and roundtables that people can kind of check out as well. Check the show notes or just go to datameshunderstanding.com for more info or helpful resources. As always, if you have suggestions for guests or topics, please do get in touch as well and have a wonderful rest of your day. Now let's hear that funky outro music. Mm-hmm.